Hey, we want to uh, welcome you to the Teal Shirt Report Podcast, Duval. Here we go. I'm your host, Scott. We're going to talk about the draft, what the Jaguars could do. Ultimately, the decision comes down to the general manager, Trent Baalke. You know, also Doug Peterson, they're going to kind of work as a you know, as a collaborative effort, a collective effort, as I've heard it described as well. So welcome in. We're going to talk about, you know, what may happen. Going to try to make sense out out of it all. As we do on this podcast, uh, really try to make sense out of it all here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Great creation tools with Anchor. Also, Saucer Realty for your North Florida real estate needs. You know, whether it's uh, home, residential real estate, uh, business or commercial real estate, remember Saucer Realty, Larry Saucer and Saucer Realty and Capital. They do real estate, um, buying and selling uh, property, homes, and uh, even businesses, too. And um, Saucer Realty and Capital, they're, you know, they're uh, doing uh, real estate properties in uh, Gainesville. They do real estate in Jacksonville, Live Oak, Lake City, and almost every area in between. And they go a little bit uh, uh, south, south of us from time to time as well. We also want to thank LakeUfallHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. They have rock Saturdays uh, each uh, Saturday. Great classic rock, rock Saturdays at LakeUfallHits.com. LakeUfallHits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. They do rock Saturdays. Also, um, you know, a lot of recognizable hits during the day. Hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights. And album tracks, uh, deep cuts um, late at night as well. Unique unique songs, I should add to that. Uh, that late night uh, that late night playlist as well. So check them out. LakeUfallHits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. Also the Mad Max Mix. I had a chance to talk to Max. Got interviewed by Max again uh, last Wednesday night. Uh, we did a nice interview for probably five or ten minutes during his show about the BigJReport.com. The Teal Shirt Report. Uh, we talk sports, music. You know, it might have been a couple other things, too. So uh, check it out. The Mad Max Mix, the Internet Radio Wednesday Night Music Request Show from 6 until 8 o'clock Central Time. For you folks in Central Time, 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock Eastern Time. That's the madmaxmix.weebly.com. We have links on our website as well at bigjreport.com. In our neighbors two section near the concert uh, area, the concert listings area, and also in the outside the box section. In the outside the box section, we write a little article and wrote a little article up about Mad Max and his and his show, which can be heard each Wednesday night. It's internet radio, the Wednesday night music request show from six o'clock until eight o'clock Central Time, seven o'clock until nine o'clock Eastern Time. Mad Max takes requests from from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Michigan, all areas all over the place. Those are just a few of the places that, it, you know, he gets calls from. So check Max out 
on the Mad Max Mix, madmaxmix.weebly.com. For me, I just go to our website. There's easy to uh, click on links on our website at bigjreport.com in the Neighbors 2 section near the concert area. Um, And also, if you go to our outside the box section on bigjreport.com, you'll find a link and also an article about the Mad Max mix. Um, I tell you, Mad Max has been playing some some great music. Man, I've heard some Pink Floyd, Atlanta Rhythm Section. Uh, Basically, Max plays, you know, some of those, you know, those, those days gone by classic rock songs. He plays pop oldies and sneaks a few surprises inside, too, inside the show. And Max has almost a story in almost every song he plays. That's a Mad Max mix. Uh, one of our sponsors here at the Teal Shirt Report podcast and BigJReport.com. We got more BigJReport.com's um, Teal Shirt Report podcast coming up. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, and we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome. Welcome back into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Going to talk uh, talk draft. It's coming up April 28th, April 29th, and April 30th. Uh, first round of the draft to be in prime time, April the 28th. I normally watch it on NFL uh, Network. I, I, the last few years, I've really liked NFL Network's coverage uh, much better than ESPN's, but that's that's just me. But enjoy uh, the NFL Network's uh, coverage of the NFL draft. As far as the Jaguars drafting goes, I'm still of the opinion, let's draft an offensive lineman with a first pick, second pick D-line, then O-line, wide receiver, linebacker, and then safety. The Jaguars need a linebacker, depending on how, you know, where the other teams draft and how the draft goes, um, you know, as it continues to flow through day one, day two, and even day three. Um, the linebacker pick that I'm saying, you know, the Jags should pick a linebacker fifth. That could be a little higher, maybe around the fourth pick, but probably fourth or fifth pick. Right now, I like an O-lineman, the first pick for the Jaguars. Then they go D-line, O-line, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. That's what I'm thinking. Then they got, you know, they got a couple more picks after that, too. But those are the early picks. Um, I keep seeing different mock drafts that come up that want to slide Evan Neal a little bit further down the list. Um, Saw a guy that writes for the NFL. We'll take a look at it. Also, some some interesting news. As most of you know, Taven Bryan, his uh, fifth year, you know, his his fifth-year option uh, was not taken by the Jaguars, and basically the Jaguars let Taven Bryan walk, and he signed like a one-year deal. I believe it's a one-year deal with the Cleveland Browns for five years. So good luck to the Wyoming Wild Man. He's been kind of exiled to Cleveland, but we wish him well. Also, another name, I read something about Josh Dobbs, former backup quarterback for the Jaguars. I believe he signed the deal to uh, be a backup quarterback with the Browns or at least in training camp. 
So Josh Dobbs, former a former Jaguars backup quarterback, uh, going to Cleveland, you know, at least for training camp. And uh, Tapin Bryan, I, I I see him. It's like a one year, five million dollar year. One year at five million dollars, I should say, for Tapin Bryan. So he's going to play another year in the NFL. Uh, Tapin's going to going to get the NFL retirement, and um, let's see if the light switch comes on when he goes to Cleveland. Most people think, man, this guy was a, a first round draft pick, be it a late first round draft pick. It was the you know the pick the Jags made after the playoff run, you know, in the 2017 season, uh, January 2018 playoffs. Um, so Taven O'Brien was with the Jaguars for four years. He turned out to be really kind of what I call a mucker, kind of a guy that, you know, fights off blocks where maybe the other guy can make the tackle. We, we saw Taven toward the end of the season making a tackle or two and even had, a, I think, a sack, sack and a half or two uh, toward the end of the year. So Cleveland is taking a chance. Uh, just like the Lions are taking a chance on DJ Shark about one year, $10 million, the Jaguars would have overpaid for DJ Shark if they had a franchise tag team, but he would have made a lot more money. I think the franchise tag for wide receivers – probably at least $16 million or more, I believe, uh, per season. So the best deal DJ Shark could get out there on the market, apparently, was the one year at 9 or $10 million. I believe it was $10 million with the Lions. I believe all that money, all $10 million is is guaranteed, I believe, uh, with the Detroit Lions. So that's some news and notes to look at as far as the draft coming up. You know, it's really, I told you, O-line, D-line, O-line, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. That's kind of the direction I would like to see the team go in. The reason why I say that, I've talked about this in kind of a nauseum over the last few podcasts, but you got some, you really got some holes. I mean, you got, uh, you know, you you really have, um, you know, basically um, some guys you got to replace. I mean... We're going to have Cam Robinson at left tackle. He's signed, you know, he's, well, actually, I heard he hasn't quite signed the franchise tag yet, but he has been designated as being tagged as the franchise player. I have no reason to believe Cam Robinson would not sign that. Um, that's probably going to be more money than he can make on the open market, I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, Cam has another really good year. Uh, you know, he missed a couple of games where, you know, the neck was bothering him. Or maybe the back was bothering him during uh, pregame warmups, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. But uh, things happen, right? Same thing happened with a couple other players for the Jaguars. Um, I think the guy, the defensive lineman, T- uh, TFLE, didn't play much for the Jaguars. I think he got, I think he got hurt badly in uh, <laughs> pregame warmups. Did he? I think he. Uh, you know, he had a bad injury. Like he, I, I don't want to elaborate on the injury because I don't have the information right in front of me. But he, he got injured. He didn't. He didn't play much last year. Tiafelli, who was a, what he was a fourth round pick, I believe, for the Jaguars last year. And you know, we get all these people that say, well, you know, Urban Meyer made all the selections. Well, he probably did make make most of the selections, or say, hey, this is the direction we want to go. There's no doubt in my mind that Tyson Campbell picked. That was Urban Meyer's selection. 
And most all the experts said, you know, the Jaguars were maybe 10, 15, 20 picks early on Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell did end up playing, you know, very well toward the end of the season, though. So Tyson Campbell seems like a player, a defensive back that is developing, that uh, is going to be a cornerback, can, can perhaps also play safety. So he's kind of versatile. So the Jags have some depth, Shaquille Griffin, you know, at defensive back. And then they sign, what, Darius uh, Williams uh, from the from the L.A. Rams. And, you know, he, he actually signed with Jacksonville for a little less money because he's, uh, he's from here, uh, Darius Williams. He's uh, from Jacksonville, and the story I heard was he may have uh, he may have had a better offer out there to play with someone, but he wanted to come home. He played at, uh, what was it, Creek? Creekside, right? Um, and he's from Jacksonville. And it's kind of cool. He's, you know, getting a chance to come back home, getting a nice contract. There's no place like home for the Jacksonville Jaguars' new cornerback, Darius Williams. So you've got Tyson Campbell, Darius Williams, Shaquille Griffin. you got some depth at cornerback. I, I think Tyson Campbell could play a little safety if he was needed there. So I think the Jags will ultimately draft a safety late in the draft, though. But as far as cornerback, the cornerback room seems to be pretty close to being filled unless they just find somebody in the draft they really love and and, and the cornerback falls to the Jaguars. Same thing with tight end. The tight end room appears to be pretty close to being full unless they find somebody on draft day that say, man, this guy could be big time for us. He's available. Let's grab him. So the tight end position and even the cornerback um, room, the cornerback room, the tight end room, those those rooms seem to be close to being full at this time. The Jaguars signed Evan Ingram, though it was a one-year deal. Uh, it could be a situation where, hey, the Jags go tight end, cornerback more next year. Um, edge rusher, I didn't mention an edge, edge rusher. Man, we've got those guys. But everybody wants to draft this Aiden Hutchison guy out of Michigan. I had my Georgia Bulldog football insider asked him, I said, I said, Mad Max, what does it look like? But Mad Max didn't have that glowing of an opinion on Aiden Hutchinson. However, a lot of the mock drafts, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to say probably uh, somewhere in the vicinity, I'm going to try to find that mock draft I was looking at this morning, but a little bit earlier, but um, I would say looking at the Jaguars groups that I go on and kind of get a feeling for the fans, I'm going to say I'll throw it out there. The number I'll throw out there is about 30%. 30%, I think 30% or more of the fan base is actually wanting and feeling like the Jaguars are going to draft Aiden Hutchinson. Um, you know, I can, I can, I can pull up the mock draft I was looking at a little bit earlier this morning. We'll pull that one up. It's actually, this is a different guy. Uh, you know, we've looked at some mock drafts in earlier episodes. This particular mock draft is from, uh, let's see, I believe this is from uh, Chad uh, Reuter. Chad Reuter, draft analyst. And uh, Chad Reuter, 
had a little bit of info on him because uh, just wanted to kind of let you know if we're talking about his draft, what this guy has done. Chad Reuter has covered the NFL draft since 2000. He was hired by NFLDraftScout.com as a senior analyst in 2007 and continued in that role. Um, you know, when NFL Draft Scout and CBS Sports.com, uh, um, you know, I guess uh, formed some coverage of the, the draft. I didn't see all the information there, but uh, let's take a look. But that's basically the info on uh, Chad Reuter. Chad Reuter's covered the NFL draft basically since 2000. He was hired by the NFL Draft uh, Scout.com as a senior analyst. In 2007, he, he's been kind of kind of covering the draft and being involved in the as an analyst in the draft since about uh, 2007. And I guess he originally started covering the draft. Uh, Chad Reuter covered the draft, the NFL draft, since 2000. But again, he was hired by NFLDraftScout.com as a senior analyst in 2000. And again, he's continued to you know cover the draft you know, up to now 2022. So he's got some experience taking a look at drafts and we'll take a look at what he has. We also want to mention that, you know, these picks come down to Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson. I'm sure if Trent, uh, Trent Baalke and, and uh, Doug Peterson want to pick a guy and shotgun says no, then you got a little bit of a quad quad buyer there. Right. But I don't think shotgun's going to, probably do that i think he's going to leave it up to his experts because you know shot Khan said hey i need good people around me helping me that's what he feels like he's got with trent balky and doug peterson feels like he's got a kind of a good combo he feels like doug peterson and trent balky kind of hit it off and they can work together uh, good on this draft so again trent balky and doug peterson they're going to really highly depend on their scouts. It's going to come down to the scouts, the GM, the head coach, what they think of the certain player that they're getting ready to draft or not to draft. Um, so, again, we're getting close to the draft. Now the draft will crank up on April the 28th. The first round will be on that April the 28th, second round and third round on April the 29th. Again, the first round, April the 28th, if you're marking – Marking this down in your calendar, scoring at home, first round of the draft, and it's just the first round on April 28th. Then on April the 29th, you'll have the second and third round on April 29th. And then the uh, the final day of the draft will be uh, rounds four through seven, and that'll take place on April the 30th. So the end of the month of April will bring on the draft, April 28th through April the 30th, after the draft ends on April the 30th. Then you're going to see teams even go out go out there and sign undrafted uh, free agents. And um, I believe Tyler Shadley, the backup center for the Jaguars, he's been with the Jaguars for, what, almost seven, eight years now. He was an undrafted free agent. The Jaguars liked him a lot and kept him. I think when they first signed him, they actually kept him on the 53. They were afraid to lose him, even if he wasn't one of the top 53 players in his First year he was with the Jaguars. So they like, I think they, you know, like the uh, versatility. Of course, they've switched him more. He's playing a lot more center now, but he's played guard in his early career with the Jaguars. 
So they like the versatility of him being able to play, you know, center or guard. Now, however, now he's played a lot more center, backing up Brandon Linder. Brandon Linder, of course, recently retired as a Jaguars center. So that brings us up to the draft. Why should the dra- Jaguars draft um, heavy on offensive line? And in my opinion, try to pick up two offensive linemen at least within the first three rounds because your starting center's retired. He missed practically over 40 games anyway during his career. We did, uh, the Jaguars did re sign Tyler Shadley, the backup who's played a lot of football at center. However, you got a left tackle that's. Um, been franchise tag so you feel like he's gonna play all year long unless you know as long as he stays healthy right with uh, cam robinson the left tackle so if you draft evan neal a guy that i think he played guard his first year at alabama he could play left guard his first year slide to left tackle his second year that gives you a little bit more time to you know get another guy to play guard uh got will richardson as a backup will richardson's kind of versatile he can you know, play. He has played guard. I think he was drafted actually as a guard, but can play tackle too, and has mainly played tackle when he when he has played for the Jaguars. You know, over the last couple of years, when whenever he has played. But as far as the starters, you know, it looks like to me it would be left tackle Cam Robinson. If you can draft Evan Neal high and put him at left guard, I think that would be great. Uh, the Jaguars somewhere, perhaps in the third round. And the Jaguars do have two picks in the third round. You can pick a center in the third round. Um, and that's and I think the defensive line has still got to be built. I'm saying grab a defensive lineman, you know, a highly, a highly productive defensive lineman that can play as a rookie. Um, I know the Jags have, you know, two or three guys across the defensive line. And I know Taven Bryan you know, went to the Cleveland Browns, but that was Stephen Bryan, right? So I think the Jags need a really good defensive lineman. And the reason why I say that is everybody wants to pass rusher, but, man, you you got to get these other teams in second down and long, third down and long for the pass rusher, the edge rusher to be effective. And the Jaguars are still working on that. If they can add another defensive lineman, you know, they did get a really, I think, a good defensive lineman. In free agency, they can add another one, you know, in the draft. And they had signed, you know, um, Roy Robertson last year. He played pretty good at times, too. So, the Jaguars trying to get some depth along the defensive line. Now, you've got Caleb on Chason, who everybody says is a bust. But he was drafted in the first round to basically rush the passers, what, a defensive end or linebacker. Although he may be, maybe he's a bit undersized, been kind of a tweener type player. Josh Allen's a pass rusher too. Um, you drafted a guy out of UAB, Alabama at Birmingham, and he didn't play much last year, but he's 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 got a kind of a good lean to him. He he was at the University of Florida, then transferred to UAB very early in his college career. So I'm, I'm saying the Jaguars got some pass rushers, but man, let's. Let's get the defensive line, the line, the defensive tackle, the nose guards, what have you. Let's get some depth there where the Jaguars can stop the run, get the opponents in second and long or third and long. And then it, it's easier for these guys to rush the passer. They're gonna have more, they're gonna have more opportunities, you know, at that point. Um, 
But then again, you know, these draft selections come down to Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson, and the, the staff, the uh, the scouts, the the advice, the reports from the scouts to GM Trent Baalke and to Coach uh, New Jags uh, head coach Doug Peterson. So that's kind of what's going to, you know, what's going to happen. You know, as far as this mock draft goes, we're going to take a look at that too. We're also brought to you by Anchor.fm. Simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Great creation tools, lots of improvements and enhancements with Anchor. Saucer Realty for your North Florida real estate needs. See Larry Saucer. Go to our website at bigjreport.com. Scroll our website down to the 24-7 North Florida weather information. You'll find the link for Saucer Realty for your real estate needs in North Florida, whether it be Gainesville, Jacksonville, Live Oak Lake City, or, or areas in between, or even a little bit to the south. Remember, Saucer Realty, and you can find their link on our website at bigjreport.com. Scroll the homepage down to uh, about the middle of the homepage, and about the middle of the weather report, you'll find the link for Saucer Realty. LakeEvolahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. The Mad Max Mix, internet radio Wednesday night musical quest show with Mad Max at madmax.weebly.com. I should say that's the Mad Max Mix, madmaxmix.weebly.com. Or simply go to our website at bigjreport.com, and you'll find a link. Click on the link for the Mad Max Mix or even uh, lakeyoufallahits.com as well. So that's some of what's going on. Some of the sponsors here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast and bigjreport.com. So... We're talking about the draft. I was going to pull up um, another mock draft, you know, about the guy we mentioned earlier that this is actually, I believe, his mock draft, uh, Chad Reuter, and he's been a draft analyst. He's been covering the draft for, you know, basically almost, what, 20 years or more. And we're talking about uh, Chad Reuter, who, uh, you know, we, we kind of kind of looked him up, and uh, Chad Reuter's covered the NFL draft since about – 2000 and um so let's go to his his mock draft i'm not that wild about it to be honest with you um again out of the probably three mock drafts i've looked at two out of the three have the jaguars picking aiden hutchinson the jaguars have a tough choice in front of them but for now uh Reuter says i'll stick with the athletic determined hutchinson hutchinson over fellow pass rushers Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau, as well as offensive lineman Icky Ekwanu. Okay. So, uh, Reuter, Chad Reuter, who's uh, doing this draft, this this mock draft, Chad Reuter, Reuter, I think it's Reuter, Chad Reuter, he's got the Jaguars uh, taking Aiden Hutchinson. Maybe the national media wants us to take Aiden Hutchinson, right? or the Jaguars that take him. Uh, Detroit Lions, this is a new pick. Uh, apparently, this quarterback from Liberty gaining some stock, uh, Malik Willis. Does Detroit pull the trigger at number two or not? A lot of people say uh, Detroit's uh, interested. In, you know, the you know Detroit is like the Jaguars in a sense. They, they got a lot of holes, whether it's getting an offensive lineman, an edge pass rusher. They might need an edge pass rusher even more than the Jaguars. Um, or drafting a quarterback in this Malik Willis. That's what 
this, that's, and, I, and this is not my draft. This is Chad Reuters, uh mock draft. He's got the Jaguars uh, taking Aiden Hutchinson, number one, with the number one overall pick on April 28th coming up. Uh, number two, Detroit Lions, uh, Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. Um, you know, Reuter went on to say Detroit, you know, could take Trayvon Walker, uh, Kavon, uh, Kavon Thibodeau with this pick. But Willis could be the player who uh, would make the biggest impact on the future of the franchise. Okay, that's, you know, that's certainly uh, Roy Raiders, uh, Chad uh, Reuter's opinion, draft analyst. So he's kind of, I mean, these are some surprises. I mean, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, the fan base, the Jaguars fan base, probably 30% or more of the Jaguars fan base would like to see the Jags pick Aiden Hutchinson. You remember our Georgia Bulldog football insider, Mad Max, said, he didn't seem to be too impressed with Aiden Hutchinson, especially in the playoff game where Georgia kind of beat Michigan like a drum. Um, Jaguars, Aiden Hutchinson first round, our first pick, Detroit Lions, Malik Willis with the second pick. Houston Texans get Icky Ekwanu with the third pick, according to Reuter, with his mock draft. Icky, Icky, maybe it's Icky Ekwanu, Houston Texans. Now, how about this one? Matt Corral, zooming up the draft board. I think in the last mock draft we looked at um, New Arena, who we looked at. We looked at New Arena's uh, mock draft a couple, you know, in the last couple of episodes. They had Matt Corral going maybe number eight to the Atlanta Falcons, and I thought that might be a little high for Matt Corral. However, this Reuter guy's got the Seattle Seahawks jumping in there and grabbing Matt Corral. Uh, with the fourth overall pick in the draft. Uh, projected trade with the New York Jets. New Orleans Saints move up and select Kenny Pickett. So so when New Orleans sees Seattle drafting Matt Corral, the New Orleans tries to trade up and get Kenny Pickett from the Pitt Panthers from Pittsburgh, senior quarterback from Pittsburgh. And Kenny Pickett may be the best quarterback in the draft. However, it's in a year where they say um, – the quarterbacks in the draft are, you know, are, you know, basically a little bit on the downside. That it's not a great quarterback draft. There's a lot of the experts and analysts and, and even the fans have said. So it's got New Orleans trading up, uh, trading with the Jets. New Orleans getting Kenny Pickett from the Pitt Panthers. So you get a run of a couple of quarterbacks. Man, you get that's more than a couple of quarterbacks. That's three quarterbacks. In the first five selections, and that's according to Chad Reuter, draft analyst. So he's got the Jags taking Aiden Hutchinson with the first overall pick. Detroit Lions taking Malik Willis out of Liberty with the second pick. Houston taking Icky Ekwanu with the third pick. Seattle kind of going out on a limb. And, you know, I like Matt Corral, but, man, is it warranted that high a pick? It depends on if Seattle likes the guy that much does seattle like matt corral as much as maybe the kansas city chiefs a few years ago liked uh their current quarterback uh patrick mahomes right so seattle i don't see this happening in fact this mock draft is a little goofy but he's got he's got the seattle seahawks taking matt corral with the number four pick overall we'll see what happens 
um, projected trade with the Jets. New Orleans Saints move up and take Kenny Pickett with the fifth pick overall. How many quarterbacks in a lean quarterback uh, draft saying the quarterbacks are, this is not a good year for quarterbacks. You got, according to Mr. Mr. Reuter, Mr. Chad Reuter, he's got three quarterbacks. Heck, he's got three, actually count them. That's three quarterbacks going in the first five picks. Okay, down to number six. Evan Neal falls to number six in the Carolina Panthers. Grab Evan Neal uh, to protect whoever's going to play quarterback. Wow. So, you know, San Francisco, you know, did a similar thing. Um, San Francisco did a similar thing last year to get Trey Lance's. The New Orleans Saints are apparently, according to Chad Reuter, uh, they're going to trade up to get Kenny Pickett with the New Orleans Saints to get Kenny Pickett with that fifth pick overall. Um, and again, this is uh, draft analyst Chad Reuter's mock draft. So you got uh, Iki Ekwanu at number three. Seattle gets Matt Corral at four. Um, New Orleans Saints trade up and get Kenny Pickett, the, the young quarterback, out of Pitt. Carolina Panthers, Evan Neal falls to the Carolina Panthers at number six. That would be a great pickup for Carolina if he falls that far, which I don't think he's going to fall that far. Uh, New York Giants, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, edge rusher out of Oregon, goes seven to the New York Giants. Atlanta Falcons grab Trayvon Walker. Uh, junior Georgia edge rusher Trayvon Walker with the eighth pick to the Atlanta Falcons. Man, all these mock drafts have been so different the last three that I've looked at. So number nine, the New York Jets go with uh, Sauce Gardner, probably the top cornerback in the draft, a junior out of Cincinnati. That's New York Jets going with Sauce Gardner with the ninth pick overall. And here's another... Uh, Projected trade, projected trade with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. The Philadelphia Eagles grab Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis with a tenth pick overall. So we're just going to give you the top pit, the top ten. You know, as um, this mock draft is by Chad Reuter, draft analyst. I personally, I don't really do a mock draft. I look at a lot of the other ones that are out there. We've looked uh, during the podcast. We've looked at uh, New Arena did a uh, mock draft, CBS, and now this guy, Chad Reuter. So that's three mock drafts we've taken a look at. And they've all been somewhat and even at times quite a bit different. So it looks like Matt Corral, who some people thought would go a little lower, a little further back in the first round. The last couple of mocks we've looked at have had Matt Corral going either number eight to the Atlanta Falcons or number four in this latest mock draft by Reuter. He's saying, man, the quarterbacks, there's a premium on quarterbacks, and this is a supposed to be a down quarterback here in the draft. Matt Corral in this particular mock draft projected to go to the Seattle Seahawks, the junior quarterback at Ole Miss. Matt Corral and Ole Miss won a lot of games in uh, 2021. And I understand that Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, he's working that transfer portal again. He plans to stay at Ole Miss for a while. I believe he just uh, – yeah, Lane Kiffin did uh, up his contract recently. And, man, when I pulled up the figures on Lane Kiffin, I mean, 
double-digit wins at Ole Miss in 2021 can get you some more moolah, right? More money. Um, looking at Lane Kiffin's uh, new contract details, man, he's going to be a rich man. Over $7 million a year um, each year through December 31st of 2025. So they have upped his contract. Um, he's going to be at Ole Miss unless somebody comes up with a huge buyout. Looks like he's going to be at Ole Miss uh, for each of the next four years. The new contract runs uh, January the 1st of 2022 to December the 31st of 2025. And it looks like he's he's getting an escalating uh, cost of living raise too. Uh, $7,250,000 uh, here in 2022. 2023, $7,350,000. 2024, $7,450,000. And in 2025, $7,550,000. Um, other terms and conditions. Um, let's see, both the assistant coach salary pool and the football support staff salary pool will remain in the top half uh seventh or above of the league average which would be the sec of course and the support staff salary pool will be set at a minimum of 3.5 million dollars so Ole Miss and there's some other incentive awards as well in the uh, in the Lane Kiffin contract I mean he's going to be making an excessive Seven million two hundred fifty thousand dollars in twenty twenty two, and then it looks like his contract escalates another. Uh, looks like it goes. He gets a raise, about a hundred thousand dollar raise each year. Man, back in the old days, man, <laughs> man, this is uh, this is college football in twenty twenty two. I mean, they're all making big money. This is not the Saban contract, of course, but. Pretty good for Ole Miss. And they want to really see what Lane can do, Kiffin can do in the next four years. I mean, double-digit wins in 2021. Looks like Lane Kiffin's set at Ole Miss with a nice contract. Working the uh, working the portal. There's a lot of people work the portal nowadays, right? Um, I know Florida seems to be, and, and I'm a you know I'm a Gator guy uh, from since 1970. I mean. Coach Billy Napier, man, he's, he's going to work the transfer portal, too. He is really a disciplinarian. I looked at one of his practices, some of his, uh, one of the videos that was released when he was uh, giving instructions to his team. He's going to be a disciplinarian. And I do know that not every player that goes to the University of Florida will take to the way Billy Napier coaches. A lot will. Apparently, the recruiting is going very, very well. That uh, the players coming out of high school or even coming from other colleges in the transfer portal seem to really like what Billy Napier is doing at the University of Florida. Nick Saban still going strong, but how long will he continue? And I really don't want to even get into talking about Jimbo at Texas A&M other than I think supposedly, man, they – they had one heck of a recruiting, uh, one heck of a recruiting year this past year, right? So Texas A&M, Ole Miss, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, of course, with Kirby Smart. Georgia just won the national championship. The SEC, through everything, 
through their brands, through the NIL deals, which are becoming more prominent now. The SEC is, I mean, let's face it, the SEC is the top conference in the land. Who is number two? Probably the Big Ten. And then after that, what it goes down to um, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, and a couple of the other conferences. Um, college football is probably never going to be the same again. It's changing, ever-changing. And is that good for college football? Maybe not. We'll see how it pans out. But, you know, everybody's got their team. I mean, I'm going to pull for the Florida Gators. Mad Max is going to pull for his Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, JC, one of our producers on the Teal Show Report podcast, is going to pull for his Alabama Crimson Tide. Our other producer, Alex Nunry, is going to pull for his Florida Gators. So we have very good rep- representation here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast because we do talk SEC football. We talk the Jacksonville Jaguars, SEC football, other area sports, and North Florida entertainment. And uh, we give that to you uh, here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Also talk some semi-pro football as well. There's been some interesting games going on. Let's see some of the recent games. Um and before we talk semi-pro football, let's talk center for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The next podcast, episode show number 18, we're going to talk center. We're going to talk the position of center. I will tell you, I've taken a look at a couple of guys that could be possibilities for the Jaguars. Luke Fortner is an older player who spent a long time at Kentucky. Luke Fortner may be NFL ready to play. He's an older player. I guess he was at Kentucky for, what, at least five years or more or less. So he's a he's a veteran of college football, one of the top centers in the nation, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky. That's a name to remember. Then there's another guy. And so we're not going to touch on center, but just slightly in episode show number 17. But I wanted to you know, I had, I had looked at a couple of the centers. I said, well, who's available? Who's out there? Uh, you got another guy named Alec Lindstrom. Okay, so Alec... Alec Lindstrom's another guy we can talk about. Now, we're going to go over the center position more in the next podcast episode, show number 18, our next podcast. But this is episode show number 17. Alec uh, Lindstrom, I mentioned Luke Fortner out of uh, Kentucky a little bit earlier, but this guy, you know, we're talking about another very experienced college football player out of Boston College, a three-year starter on a talented Boston College offensive line. Alec Lindstrom, probably one of just, you know, five players in Boston College Eagles history to be a two-time first-team All-ACC selection. And he's hailing from a football family. Lindstrom's uh, father was a Hall of Fame lineman at Boston University and spent three seasons in the NFL. His older brother was a four-year starter at Boston College and first-round pick of the Atlanta Falcons back in 2019. So this guy, you know, this guy is like, I think you put him toward the top of the centers, Alec Lindstrom and Luke Fortner. I might rate Fortner number one, Lindstrom number two, and there may be another guy out there we'll talk about 
uh, perhaps in the next podcast. Let me give you a Duval. These guys could end up being with the Jaguars, right? Duval. That's right. One of those two guys could be drafted by the Jaguars. I think they need to they need to hit the offensive line early and often. I think we need two O line picks in the first three rounds. The tight end room with free agency and what the Jaguars have done with the tight end room is is near full. I think um, the Jaguars even had you know a tight end leave the other day. Uh, what was his name? Hollister, the one that used to be at Buffalo and. He played for another team, too. Uh, what was his name? Jeff Hollister. He left, and he signed with somebody else. But other than him leaving, most all the other guys are going to be back. Um, was that guy's name Hollister? Man, he made a couple of catches last year, but not much more. Um, I'll pull him up here in a minute. Tight ends for the Jaguars. Uh, we got off on the... Jacob Hollister, right? <laughs> what was I calling him? Jeff? Yeah, he made an impression. Let's see. Okay, so that's uh, tight end. Let's see. Tight end, Jacob Hollister. Quick as a cat, right? Yeah, those were some videos on him back in 2021. Let's see. Hollister. Uh, Jacob Hollister is with... Um, is that, is that right? He's with Seattle now. We'll take a look at, uh, you know, news about Hollister. He was with the Jaguars, made a couple of catches. Not, not, he didn't really have that much of a season last year. Um, tight end Jacob Hollister uh, was with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, of course. And um, let me, let me pull up where he signed last year. But other than Hollister, Jaguars are pretty set. You know, across uh, what well, we're in the tight end room, I should say. Um, let's take a look at Hollister. Hollister's with the, the Las Vegas Raiders now. That's who he signed with. Okay. So uh, we take a look at Hollister um, stats and his latest stats would have been with the Jaguars, right? Wow, he played with New England, too. I didn't realize that. He was with um, Jacob Hollister. He was with Buffalo briefly, I, did, I thought, too. Let's see. Looks like with Jacksonville, Jacob Hollister, nine catches, 14 targets, 55 yards. He was, he was not a big factor. I mean, at times he looked good, like he could do the job. You know, like I say, he only had 14 targets. He made 19 catches. Um, man, I tell you what, tight ends sometimes are a dime a dozen. I think the really top tight ends, uh, Kels with Kansas City. Uh, who are the other guys out there? You know, Kels, Kels with Kansas City. He's, you know, he's one of the main guys. Uh, Gronk, of course, has made a Big-time living, winning Super Bowls as a tight end. So Gronk and Kels and some of those guys. So basically, a lot of people, you know, there's some there's some great tight ends like Gronk, Gronk and Kels over their careers. Then you got some very good tight ends. 
And I would say the the great to very good tight ends are probably in the top 20% of the tight ends. And the rest of them guys you can probably put in a bag, shake them up. Some can block, some can catch, some can do a little bit, a little bit of both. Evan Ingram uh, probably hasn't reached his full potential when he was with the New York Giants. Now he's signed with the Jaguars, and most most everybody feels like um, Ingram's an upgrade over over Hollister. And then you still got you know some of the you know the the old guard tied in for the Jaguars. So you know you take a look at. Um, some of the other tight ends, I, mean, I didn't really mean to get off into the tight end room, but away we go. Um, let's see. James O'Shaughnessy. Okay, reports on James O'Shaughnessy. It's uh, there. I believe he's a he's actually a free agent. No, I thought the Jags had re-signed O'Shaughnessy. Latest. Uh, let's see. Latest in the Wikipedia. Info, James O'Shaughnessy is an American football tight end who is currently a free agent. Uh, he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the fifth round with Kels there. He wasn't going to be the featured tight end when he was drafted back in, what, 2015. I know O'Shaughnessy spent some time. Um, James O'Shaughnessy spent some time with uh, New England also. And it uh, might be a good time for me to bring up the uh, – you know, the current, if we can find it, the current uh, Jaguars roster, because we like to go over the roster and take a look. The roster's ever-changing, and sometimes I'll see a guy that gets re-signed, then he's released. I might miss something. We try to catch back up. Um, let's uh, pull up the Jaguars roster. Uh, Dan Arnold, of course. You know, Dan Arnold and Evan Ingram are probably going to be the top two tight ends. Dan Arnold. Uh, with the Jaguars. Um, I didn't mention Ben Barch, of course, who's a kind of a backup guard for the Jaguars. He played offensive tackle in college at a smaller college at St. John's in Minnesota. We're talking about the, you know, the whole offensive line now. Um, let's see, Raquel Armstead, I believe he's back on the Jaguars roster. I guess they got to keep him on the roster because the Jags have had a couple of running backs that have been hurt. We're just kind of going off in different directions, I know. Uh, Dan Arnold's a player the Jaguars traded for last year when they traded uh, cornerback C.J. Henderson, a, num a former number one draft pick, um, to, uh, to to what was it, Carolina, to get Dan Arnold. And then the Jags and Carolina swapped draft picks. Uh, the Jags got a third-rounder from Carolina, and Carolina got a fifth-rounder from the Jaguars, I believe. So the Jaguars end up – that's how they ended up with the second, uh, third-round pick. So Dan Arnold's a player that was injured some last year, showed some really good promising catch the ball. Um, he's definitely a pass-receiving tight end. He's a guy that can make it happen down the field too. Um, so, you know, you take a look at uh, Dan Arnold, and, you know, I think we will – we will pull up some of his uh, stats also. He was injured a good bit last year. He uh, uh, was with the Jaguars last year. He's still with the team at this moment, played in 11 games last year, 35 catches, 408 yards. And 35 catches isn't that bad for a tight end in 11 games. Injury-wise, you know, he missed some games, of course. Um, 
We'll take a look at Dan Arnold's situation as far as uh, the current current situation with Dan Arnold. But right now, and of course, Daniel Lewis Arnold. Dan Arnold is an American football tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the National Football League. He played college football and uh, ran a little track at the University of uh, Wisconsin, Platteville. Uh, 27 years of age, about six foot six, 220 pounds. So if you said anything about Dan Arnold, you know, he's not the thickest tight end at 6'6", 220. He's tall. He's a tall guy. Maybe he could put on, you know, 5'10 pounds. However, he can catch the ball down the field too. He's got, you know, he's got some good hands, as it's been pointed out to me by our Till Shirt Report, uh, one of our Till Shirt Report producers, uh, JC. So Dan Arnold, Evan Ingram, probably the top two tight ends. There's some other guys on the roster, you know, as well. So quite, you know, quite interesting stuff. The draft coming up April 28th, April 29th, and April the 30th. I'm not sure tight end is a position of desperate need. I think the tight end room is fairly close to being full. The Jags could pick a tight end late in the draft maybe. Right now, in my opinion, there's a bigger need for O-line, maybe one guy on the D-line, a linebacker, wide receiver, maybe uh, one more safety, that type of thing. And uh, we're getting close to the draft now, and we're going to be talking about it. Florida Gators play their uh, spring game, the annual orange and blue game, on uh, April the 14th. I know they had moved that game to April the 14th. It's going to actually be in the evening, um, and it'll be on one of the – the uh, SEC football networks. I'm thinking it's going to be only streamed. I don't think it's going to be on one of the, the per se SEC uh, network cable channels. I think it may be on like their their third entry, which may be just a totally streaming channel. So you may have to go online and try to find it that way if you actually want to watch the orange and blue spring game. I'm sure it'll be available after the game. Uh, for for all of us that cover the the Gators and we cover the Jaguars and we can take I hope I'll be able to take a look at some of the film from the uh, spring game and Coach Billy Napier's uh, coaching style uh, with the Florida Gators. We mentioned a couple of guys that could be drafted at center for the Jaguars: uh, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, Alec Lindstrom out of Boston College. Those would probably be one of my top two choices at center. We will take a look at the center position. In more detail on episode 18. Again, this is episode show number 17 of season number three of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. A lot going on out there. Um, we are going to take a look at North Florida Entertainment, also some semi-pro football. Heck, I got invited to another semi-pro football game. I think the Jacksonville Spartans are playing playing tonight. On a Saturday night, as we record this podcast on April the 9th. Um, so I enjoy the semi pro football. And let me say this I'm going to say this in a positive light. And this, some people may take this wrong, but I have in the last, since I've been, you know, since we've been doing bigjreport.com uh, and specifically the podcast the last three years, in the early going, we really got into what I would call as the the world of indoor arena football, semi-pro outdoor football. Some people, and I may call it the underworld of football, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I mean that in a good way because it's kind of underground, right? 
Um, because not everybody knows the teams, the players, et cetera. Most of the players that play in semi-pro football, indoor arena football, they played some college football. They may have even played some pro football at some level. They or maybe they've only played high school football and they're coming out to play. Hey, I want to keep playing. I'm gonna play in the arena, the indoor league, the semi-pro outdoor football league. It is a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I've been to an Argyle uh, Avengers game this year. I got invited to the Jacksonville Spartans game. So we try to cover a lot of the, you know, the semi-pro football teams, the quote-unquote semi-pro football teams here in the area. In the EAFL, which is relatively a new spring-summer football league, there's teams, there's a lot of teams from right around our area in North Florida, the Argyle Avengers, the Jacksonville Spartans, Jacksonville Blackhawks, and the Bold City Thunder, and there's a couple of teams up in Georgia, too. So there's a lot of teams close by that can play each other. Now, I know the Southern Steam from the Elite Indoor Football League, and that's indoor football. I know they were playing here in Jacksonville at the Ice and Sports Complex for the last couple of years. I really enjoy all, most all those guys, Coach Bobby Damerall and, and his players, and they had to find a new venue. So actually their home games this year are going to be up in Georgia in Macon, Georgia. And, you know, when Bobby Damerall had the team in Savannah, I believe is the uh, Savannah, what were they? The Savannah steam maybe back then. Um, and then they went to, uh, gosh, what was the other city they were at uh, after Savannah? Um I'm trying to remember, but, you know, Bobby, if he heard me right now, oh, he'd be shouting it right now. He, he would be. Um, I, I'll find that out for you in a minute, though. But they're going to be playing up in Macon. Um, you know, they were, I guess, after they left Statesboro. I, thank you. I, my, my brain just kicked off in my head and said Statesboro. So um, I think when they moved from Savannah, they were more or less the Savannah steam, I believe. Um, then they became the uh, Southerns team and played in Statesboro uh, for a year or two or more. And then they came down to Jacksonville. They were still the Southerns team. They're still known as the Southerns team, but uh, they will play their home games in Macon um, this upcoming year. And they've got a schedule. They're going to start playing games uh, later this month here in a few days. So good luck to Bobby Damrell and his team. I know big George Bowen who's been playing with uh, been playing some outdoor semi-pro football with the Dunedin Pirates. I, I, I think uh, Big George Bowen has the, the darn safeties record for the most safeties by a defensive lineman in the history of football, about 18 or more. <laughs> we're going to see if that tote has gotten higher than 18, but last I heard it was 18 by Big George Bowen. And, you know, I saw on uh, Facebook where George says, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be up there, coach. Coach Bobby Damerall, so it looks like um, Big George Bowen, who's played for the Dunedin Pirates, he played for the Southern Steam last year here in Jacksonville. The Southern Steam will be kind of home-based this year up in uh, Macon, Georgia, which you know is about a four-hour trip or so from Jacksonville is kind of what we ascertained as well. You know, But good luck to Bobby Damerall and everybody playing for the Southern Steam. I know the Southern Steam, primarily their team's made up of players from the state of Florida, the state of Georgia. I think Jacksonville was a good central home base for them the last couple of years. But uh, due to the ice and sports complex being taken over by the Jacksonville Icemen, uh, that particular venue was not available for indoor football. They took up the field over there. 
I think Bobby was going to get the field as the owner of the Southern Steam, and I think they tore up the field and got the field torn up into sections, so we got the walls. <laughs> like Les Nesman uh, said with WKRP, he wants walls. Bobby Damerell got the walls from the Ice and Sports Complex, and I'm sure he's taking those to the venue up in Macon. And uh, so good luck to, uh, you know, the Southern certainly the Southern steam. Uh, we will take a look at some, uh, you know, speaking of uh, semi-pro football, uh, we will take a look at some of the scores that uh, we do have some of the scores from this past week in semi-pro football. I also learned that Dwayne Haskins, man, this guy had a troubled career, was drafted by the Washington football team, formerly the Washington Redskins, um, some turmoil. It never worked out for him with the, uh, the Washington Redskins or the Washington football team. And, um, he basically, I guess he got his, he was released from there after some, you know, some, some personal troubles, uh, some things that happened. He ended up going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sadly, we, we understand today is of, um, the reports we got today on Saturday, April the 9th was that Dwayne Haskins, actually got hit by a car and died at 24 years of age. Can you believe that? And uh, we just found that out today. That's very sad news. There was, you know, there was, uh, there was some fans, Jacksonville Jaguars, some of the fan base wanted the Jaguars uh, to draft uh, Haskins a few years ago. And I was not one. I was not really that impressed by Haskins as far as drafting him that high as a quarterback in the first round. The Washington Redskins did pick him somewhere midway in the first round. And, you know, it's uh, sad what happened to Dwayne Haskins. Man, he lost his life. He got hit by a car. I don't know all the details. Uh, we got the we got the report earlier today, and I'm just uh, bringing this up, you know, on the uh, podcast now. But uh, Dwayne Haskins, he was one of those players that uh, the Jaguars fan base was interested in, in the Jaguars drafting. The Jaguars never drafted him. I was not in, I was not a big fan of Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I thought he had a little bit of a, the way he played, the way he looked. You know, he had he had some. I mean, he had some of the intangibles with talent. He 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 reminded me a little bit when I saw his uh, his combine film a little bit of Dan Marino. You know, maybe that's overvaluing the player a little bit, but I was not in favor of the Jaguars drafting him. That was the feeling I had through everything that was going on at the time. There was actually, I'll tell you something funny. There was a there was a guy that's here in uh, Jacksonville that started a Twitter account. It was something to the effect of, uh, let's uh, let's draft Dwayne Haskins' Twitter account here in Jacksonville. It's the only Twitter account I think I've all ever been blocked from because I, I went up and said something derogatory about, hey, no, I'm not really. I mean, if somebody puts an account up and says, hey, let's draft Dwayne Haskins, shouldn't you be able to rebuttal that and say, no, I, I don't think so. You know, some of the fan base may have wanted to draft Dwayne Haskins while others, like myself, and obviously the Jaguars front office didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. I'm very sorry to learn about the his passing. I mean, he's had kind of a tumultuous uh, um, life, and his life is over now at 24. It's amazing. It's it's sad. It's uh, horrible. 
Um, so Dwayne Haskins, you know, I can I can read a little information that came down from ESPN. Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Dwayne Haskins apparently died this weekend. He apparently died this weekend when he was struck by a vehicle. Uh, his agent Cedric Saunders told ESPN's Adam Schefter, Haskins was only 24 years old. Haskins was training in South Florida with other with other Steelers quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. He was killed Saturday morning today, Saturday morning, August 19th, when he got struck by a vehicle. Um, after a standout junior season at Ohio State, Haskins was selected 15th overall by the Washington Commanders. Back then, they were known as the Washington football team. And um, again, after a standout junior season, he really only had the one really huge year. And we've heard that about quarterbacks in the past. What, Blaine Gabbert, uh, maybe even uh, Blake Bortles. But after a standout junior season at Ohio State, Haskins was selected 15th overall by the Washington Commanders. Back then, I think they were known as the Washington football team, and that was in the 2019 draft. Haskins spent two turbulent seasons with Washington before signing in Pittsburgh before last season. He was with Pittsburgh. I wasn't probably, in my opinion, he probably wasn't going to be the starting quarterback in Pittsburgh. I think they've also got Mitchell Trubisky now on the roster, so Maybe it would have been a Haskins versus Trubisky situation going into 2022. Maybe the Steelers draft a quarterback as well. They still may draft a quarterback, and maybe even more so now that Haskins sadly died after being hit by a car. And um, very sad to hear about that, man. Life is precious. It can be gone in an instant, right? Rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Very sad to, you know, to hear this uh, this uh, terrible news uh, about Dwayne Haskins, man, he's just, he had a lot of bad luck. Uh, I think he brought some of it on himself. I don't know anything surrounding the accident. Uh, there's pedestrians that get hit by cars. There've been a lot of that in Jacksonville the last few years, ever since we started BigJReport.com, And I was paying attention to a lot of the news going around us uh, here in the North Florida area. Um, I know the Southern Steam, we mentioned the Southern Steam, they'll be home-based in Macon, Georgia, for their home games this year. They'll be playing a lot of teams from Georgia in the EIF. And as you know, the Southern Steam, they will play a lot of teams outside of the the EIF, the Elite Indoor Football League. They'll play a few teams from, you know, from other leagues as well, like they have the last couple of years. So we're going to take a look at, I see Matt Parsons um, decided to step away from football. Um, he played for the Space Coast team. I think they were known as the Space Coast Tar Heels. And they won the COVID Bowl. It was called the COVID Bowl by Coach Bobby Damerel back in 2020. It was actually the, the EIF, EIF title game in which the Space Coast uh, Tar Heels, apparently they brought a couple of ringers with them, I think. But Matt Parsons was playing quarterback, and they won that EIF title game back in 2020. The reason why I bring Matt Parsons up, and it was a pleasure to watch Matt Parsons play quarterback, but he has decided now to step away from the game. He was with the Orlando Predators, primarily as a backup quarterback and the holder on field goals. And he also had played for the Space Coast uh, 
Tar Heels. I think he played some outdoor semi-pro football and then played in that uh, played here in Jacksonville at the Ice and Sports Complex a couple of years ago in 2020 in that EIF title game in which the Space Coast Tar Heels won that game over the Southern Steam in the EIF title game that was played a couple of years ago uh, here in Jacksonville. So Matt Parsons, you know, he he actually has become a friend of mine on on Facebook. I communicate with him some, and I'm you know I do want to mention that um, you know that as far as Matt Parsons go, uh, as far as Matt Parsons goes, it was a pleasure to watch him play quarterback. He played for the Space Coast Tar Heels. Uh, the Orlando Predators of the National Arena League, and, you know, a few other, um, actually a few other uh, semi-pro football and uh, I believe some indoor teams. He had, I mean, he had a lengthy pro career um, at basically the semi-pro or arena or indoor football level as well, played with the Orlando Predators. That's The National Arena League's pretty big-time indoor football. So he was on the Orlando Predators roster along with our, you know, our good friend, uh, uh, Ella Smith um, was on the Predators roster most of last year as well. So Matt Parsons at age 35 has decided to retire from playing football. So we we wish Matt Parsons well. Maybe he becomes a scout or coaches. Uh, I know Matt has a he has a business also. I believe it's a pressure washing business he does that he's very good at, and so. Whatever Matt Parsons decides to do in the future, we wish him well. He's a nice guy. He's always been friendly to me as a Facebook friend. And so we did want to report Matt Parsons. A lot of people know him, played with the Orlando Predators. I think he had, he had just gone to camp with the Predators and had, had decided that, hey, you know, probably through prayer and, uh, you know, whatever feelings Matt had, he just was ready to step down. As a pro football player, he was in the Orlando Predators camp. He was on their roster last year. So we wish Matt Matt Parsons well, quarterback. And I've had a, I had a chance to see him playing that EIF title game back in 2020, which uh, he won that EIF title game. Got to give him credit for that. So a lot of fun. And and again, you know, I kind of call it the underworld of uh, indoor arena semi-pro football. And I say it in a nice way because there's a lot of nice guys that play, you know, arena football. Ellis Smith, good friend of ours as well. Uh, Zach Brown, former Jacksonville Sharks linebacker and fullback, has switched teams. He's now signed with the Carolina Cobras for the uh, 2022 National Arena League season. I saw some of his uh, his workout uh, film and training camp with the Carolina Cubbers, so we wish Zach Brown well. Also, uh, some of the latest semi-pro football results thus far, going back last Saturday night, I know there's some more games scheduled for tonight and this weekend, but looking back at the scores back on April the 2nd of 2022, games from around the area, around the nation, let me tell you about some scores we've got. Semi-pro football in the EAFL. The EAFL, which has a lot of teams from North Florida in it. Um, these are games back on Saturday night, April the 2nd. The Argyle Avengers 58. The Georgia Crushers nothing the final. That game was played on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday night back on April the 2nd of 2022. Also, in another 
EAFL result. The Bold City Thunder 28, the Jacksonville Spartans 6, a final last week. Um, that was back on a game played Saturday night, April the 2nd in the EAFL. In the APDFL Semi-Pro Football League, some results of a couple of games that uh, David Martin had uh, uh, given us the results on. And, man, I appreciate David Martin helping us get the APDFL results, some of them, EAFL. And we want to thank the coaches, the players who help us get the results if we're not able to be at the game. I know Alex Nunnery gets to some of the games, and I do as well, but we do depend on – you know, a lot of what's the, the term? Our stringers, our reporters, our contacts. Contacts is probably the best word. Uh, some games from the eight. Okay, going to get back to the scores on the APDFL uh, semi. Pro football results that we got from uh, last Saturday back on April the 2nd, the first Saturday in April, I should say. Uh, some good football, and uh, man, we were just talking away. We ended our segment real quick there, and let's get back to the scoreboard. Great thing about this podcast, man, we can just visit with you for an hour or two, and I will tell you, I'm going to be honest with everybody, we're, we're, we are trying to shorten the podcast where we might be with you 20, 30, 40 minutes, and then we're out. And then we're starting a new podcast. So we do enjoy the visits. Uh, we have a lot to talk about Jacksonville Jaguars football, uh, North Florida entertainment, other area sports, which certainly in, in includes the semi-pro football results that we try to give you as many as possible. If there's coaches out there that listen to our podcast and they say, man, they haven't gotten our semi-pro football score on or our indoor or arena league football score on, you can write to me anytime touch base. Give us a score. Write to me, Scott, at BigJReport.com. That's Scott at BigJReport.com. That's the email address to contact me. Or come to our Facebook page, Big J Report, the BigJReport.com Facebook group, BigJReport.com Facebook group, or go to our website. There's a there's a place to contact me and, and uh, our organization at BigJReport.com. Go to our website, BigJReport.com. Com. We got a lot of things going on. We talk a lot of sports, sports and more sports, even news, some local news in the area, uh, weather. Uh, we have a North Florida, some North Florida weather information on uh, the homepage of the website or North Florida weather uh, brought to you by Saucer Realty and Capital for your North Florida real estate needs in North Florida, whether it's Jacksonville, Gainesville, Live Oak Lake City or somewhere in between or even slightly south of uh, the North Florida area. Larry Saucer and his staff, they do a great job at Saucer Realty and Capital. Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. We, we kind of broadcast from the Anchor.fm studios here at, uh, you know, here through World Headquarters. And I'm going to get back to the results of semi-pro football now. Let's get back to some of the results. Semi-pro football. Let's go back to the EAFL. Argyle Avengers 58, Georgia Crushers. Nothing the final game played on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida on Saturday night, April the 2nd of 2022. Also in another EAFL result, the Bold City Thunder 28, the Jacksonville Spartans 6, a final 
APDFL semi-pro football results. I got these from David Martin, who's who was a has been a semi-pro football player for a long time. Played with the Panhandle Crusaders, who are not, you know, active in the APDFL this year. But uh, David was on a roster earlier in the season. Um, I believe he was with the Mobile Miners uh, for a while, and and now I think he's taking some time off, and he's planning to rest up get healthy, get in shape, really good shape for next season if he plays next season. But David does a great job bringing us the results, talking uh, semi-pro football. It's a big thing with, with David Martin because um, he's done it for so long. And it's uh, I want to welcome and, and I also want to thank all the the people out there, David Martin, Bobby Damerol, um, all the folks out there in the – what I call the underworld of semi-pro football, but I mean that in a good way, not a bad way, because these are nice guys. These are really nice guys. The Argyle Avengers, an outstanding organization. I know the Argyle Avengers some now, the Jacksonville Spartans, Coach Pedroza, and all those guys. Um, and we're going to get to know more more folks, too. Zach Brown, we knew him very, very well with the Jacksonville Sharks. Now he's moved on to the Carolina Cobras. Ella Smith from the Orlando Predators. Now he's playing in, in another league. He plays for a team uh, down around Tampa called the Cyclones. We're trying to keep up with everything. It's a lot going on. Semi-pro football in the outdoor league. There's also arena and indoor football. And I think George Bowen's playing with the Dunedin Pirates in an outdoor semi-pro football league. And he's going to join the Southern Steam in the next few days. They'll be home-based in the Macon, Georgia area. But let's get back to some more of these scores. APDFL, APDFL semi-pro football results given to me by uh, David Martin. We'll finally get to those now. The Mobile Alabama Miners winning on the road. The Mobile Alabama Miners 36. The Arkansas Sharks 12 a final. Also, the Pensacola Florida Panthers uh, defeated the East Alabama Predators. That's right. The uh, Pensacola Florida Panthers 18, East Alabama Predators 16, a final on Saturday, April the 2nd of 2022. And again, if you have any more semi-pro football uh, results, indoor arena football league results, let us know. You can write to me, scott at bigjreport.com. That's the email address, scott at bigjreport.com. Or, you know, simply visit BigJReport.com Facebook group. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. We, you know, we're constantly messaging with some of the teams, the players, and it's a lot of fun. It's kind of the underworld of semi-pro football, the semi-pro outdoor football leagues. And there's many of them. I mean, you got the FCFL, um, the APDFL, now the EAFL, a lot of teams, a lot of leagues. Same way in, you know, the indoor and arena leagues as well. The EIF, we've covered the Elite Indoor Football League with the Southern Steam uh, the last couple of years as well. Southern Steam changing venues. They'll now be playing their home games, not in Jacksonville, Florida, but up in uh, Macon, Georgia now, just to kind of give you an update, you know, certainly on the uh, Southern Steam. So that's, you know, that's some of what's uh, going on. I'm uh, going to take a look at Jacksonville Iceman Hockey. The Icemen have made officially the East Coast Hockey League playoffs. Um, very interesting. You know, the Icemen have uh, 29 wins plus 
nine overtime wins, which gives them actually 29 wins plus eight over nine overtime wins. I'm sorry. It gets a little confusing. I still want to do that interview with Bob Arablo because I want to talk to Bob about, you know, the winning streaks they had. The Icemen have had is what nine, a nine game winning streak, a six game winning streak. They, they have had, you know, a couple of, a couple of losing stints in the middle of all that. And, uh, when they made the playoffs, they actually had lost a couple of games in a row. So you say, man, the Iceman kind of backed in. No, not really. I mean, they they won um, 29 games plus one, had eight, I'm sorry, nine overtime wins, right? 29 clear-cut wins. I'll call them clear-cut wins. 29 clear-cut wins, nine overtime wins, gives them 38 wins for the season. So they're way over 500. And they've made the playoffs in their fifth year. So congratulations uh, to the East Coast Hockey League's Jacksonville Icemen. They will be amongst the best teams in the playoffs. Um, the Icemen just uh, beat the Gladiators 4-1 uh, to one a couple of nights ago. And, hey, the Atlanta Gladiators have been playing some really good hockey. They're probably one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference of the East Coast Hockey League now. So that's some of what's going on in the East Coast Hockey League. Of course, we can pull up the, uh, you know, the latest, the latest, absolute latest East Coast Hockey League standings. Why don't we do that now? We might as well take a look at the, uh, and, and again, the Icemen have made the playoffs. We congratulate the uh, East Coast Hockey League's Jacksonville Icemen, our local team. We understand that what I've heard, rumors I've heard, and I believe this is all going to happen, the uh, Savannah, Georgia is going to get an uh, an East Coast Hockey League team. They're going to be known, I believe, as the Savannah Ghost Pirates. And I think they start playing next year. So this Hockey League, the East Coast Hockey League, man, some tremendous rivalries. And also, they're you know, they're in an area where, they, you know, you got the, the Orlando team, the Orlando Solar Bears, the Jacksonville Icemen. Um, you got the Carolina teams, uh, South Carolina Stingrays, um, you know, also the team from Greenville, the Swamp Rabbits. And then next year, I believe the Savannah team starts up. Savannah, Georgia starts up in the East Coast Hockey League with the Savannah. I believe they're known as the, are going to be known as the Savannah Ghost Pirates. But let's take a look at the East Coast uh, Hockey League Eastern Conference. All of a sudden, the Reading Royals moved up the standings and have been hot. The Reading Royals with 91 total points in the standings. The Florida Everblades from south of us, um, you know, they're they're way down. They're way down, what, in South Florida. Florida Everblades with 90 total points in the standings. The Atlanta Gladiators with 88. Newfoundland with 83. They're a little, little out from us, a little far up from us, right? Jacksonville Iceman with 81 total points in the standings. Greenville Swamp Rabbits with 71. Orlando Solar Bears with 71. And that's like the, you know, that's like the top half of the East Coast Hockey League standings. The South Carolina Stingrays have had an off year with 58 total points in the standings, a little further down in the standings. Norfolk with 57. I'm sorry, let me back up on that. Yeah, 57. Norfolk Admirals has have 57 points. South Carolina Stingrays, 58. Jacksonville Iceman, 81 total points in the standing. So the Iceman looking good. They're in the playoffs. 
They're going to be in the East Coast Hockey League playoffs now, which is pretty cool in the fifth year for the Jacksonville Iceman. We wish Baba Roblo and uh, Mr. Kaufman and everybody, you know, involved with the management, you know, of the Jacksonville Iceman, all the coaches and players as well. We wish them well. I know I've, I've been promising to get out there to a game. We're going to get out there personally to a game soon. And, um, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been in press conferences out there with the Jacksonville Iceman before, um, especially, in you know, when we were out there covering them, I believe, in the inaugural year. So we've been covering the Iceman, especially in our Facebook group, BigJReport.com Facebook group. But on our website, we do cover the Iceman as well in our sports section on our website at BigJReport.com. Um, by the way, the Western Conference is another conference of the East Coast Hockey League. The Toledo Walleye with 95 total points in the standings. They're kind of running away with the Western Conference. Fort Wayne Comets with 81. Utah Grizzlies with 81. Rapid City Rush 79. Tulsa Oilers with 76. Idaho Steelheads with 75. And the Wheeling Nailers with 74 points. Cincinnati Cyclones with 73 points. That's kind of the top half of the Western Conference. So we're going to look forward to the East Coast, you know, Hockey League playoffs that will be getting underway not too long from now here in just a matter of days. Uh, the East Coast Hockey League playoffs will be starting. The Jacksonville Iceman, your local North Florida, North Florida's hockey team, the Jacksonville Iceman, will be in the East Coast Hockey League playoffs. And very glad to see that. Uh, baseball has started locally for the Jacksonville uh, Jumbo Shrimp. They played four games over at the ballpark uh, here in Jacksonville, and they're off to a little bit of a slow start. They're one in three. Uh, they are involved in, you know, most of those series now in the uh, the AAA and AAA baseball. And again, this is only the second year for Jacksonville to be in AAA baseball since like the the early 1960s, the early to mid-1960s when they were a triple-A, when they weren't a triple-A league. So it's the second year for triple-A for the Jacksonville uh, Jumbo Shrimp. Jumbo Shrimp, a little, off to a little bit of a slow start, one in three this year. But they'll, you know, they'll turn it around and write, you know, certainly write the ship. And uh, we wish the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp well. Man, it's a great place to watch a ball game. It's triple-A baseball now. Uh, here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. So that's some of what's going on with uh, North Florida Entertainment. And, of course, uh, the concerts, uh, you know, a very important uh, part of the Teal Shirt Report podcast as well. We also have some reports from Alex Nunry coming up. We were talking about the centers um, that the Jacksonville Jaguars could draft in the upcoming 2022 draft in just a few days. Uh, we'll go over the centers the centers uh, that could be playing the pivot for the uh, Jaguars in the future. We mentioned a couple of them, you know, a little bit earlier. Right now, let's take a look at some concerts coming up. The concert's kind of dwindling down a little bit. We've got to update them. Typically, I don't run down all the concerts that are going on in the area. More or less, uh, I kind of handpick a few that, that I might like to go to or I might like to, you know, tell our audience about. So... We'll pull up our our concert, some of our concert selections that, you know, we've talked about in the last few days. Um, let's see. Well, Casey and the Sunshine Band, they've come and gone. They were in uh, Jacksonville back on April the 7th at the Florida Theater. Got Elton John coming up 
the uh, Elton John Goodbye Yellow Brick Road Farewell Tour in 2022 on Saturday, April the 23rd of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville, Florida. Same venue the Iceman, Jacksonville Iceman uh, play at. Uh, the Who will be in concert in Jacksonville the day after Elton John's concert. The Who in concert, Roger Daltrey, Peter Townsend, and the rest of the guys. The Who in concert and coming to Jacksonville, Florida on Sunday, April the 24th of 2022 at 7.30 p.m. at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena here in Jacksonville, Florida. Also want to wish uh, Mad Max a great day. Mad Max, thank you for tuning in. Mad Max hosts the uh, internet radio show, the Mad Max Mix. Uh, the Mad Max Mix Internet Radio Show Wednesday night music request show from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time and 6 o'clock until 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. And it can be accessed at uh, madmaxmix.weebly.com. That's www.madmaxmix.weebly.com. Or simply go to our website at bigjreport.com and you'll find the link at our Neighbors 2 area or in the uh, outside the box uh, uh, page or uh, section on our website as well. Also, Greta Van Fleet coming to Jacksonville, Florida in October, on October the 21st of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. Tickets on sale now for Greta Van Fleet. Showtime and date on Friday, April the 21st of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena here in Jacksonville, Florida. One of my favorite bands, and sadly, you know, one of the members passed away, you know, almost five years ago, Walter Becker, Donald Pagan. Still got Steely Dan out there and doing shows. Uh, one of my favorite bands, Steely Dan, after having to postpone their show uh, last year in 2021, Steely Dan will be at the Times Union's Union Center. Steely Dan will be at the Times Union Center here in Jacksonville, Florida. They've rescheduled for, let's see, they're going to be here in July. The Steely Dan Show has been rescheduled for July the 20th of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the same location it was previously to be scheduled at last year in October of 2021. But this time they're going to be here in uh, July, July 20th of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the same location at the Times Union Performing Arts Moran Center here in Jacksonville, Florida. That show will come off and has been rescheduled for July the 20th of 2022 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the same location at the Times Union Performing uh, Arts Moran Center in Jacksonville, Florida, which at one time was known as the uh, Civic Auditorium uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. I did see Steely Dan back in 2013 at the St. Augustine Amphitheater. Donald Fagan and the band Walter Becker was still living at that time. I enjoyed the show immensely. Got a Steely Dan coffee mug back in 2013. I still got that coffee mug. I think it's in storage now. But uh, I will tell you that uh, they're one of my favorite bands, you know, of all time. And and I like a lot of I like a lot of music. And uh, so we do check concerts right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. You can also check our concert listings at, at BigJReport.com in our Neighbors 2 section as well. 
So that's going to do it for, I mean, a whole lot of North Florida entertainment. We've got a, got into a lot of stuff today on the podcast. We're not done yet. We're going to join Alex Nunnery. Alex uh, kind of takes his microphone on the road. He's been to many high school baseball games lately. Alex does, man, Alex does uh, indoor football. Uh, like, like, you know, we both do indoor football, arena football, uh, high school football, high school basketball. Alex covers high school baseball. Uh, he, Alex covers JU Dolphin basketball. They had a great season this year with 21 wins with, uh, their new head coach, Jordan Mincy. So Alex has covered, you know, JU Dolphin basketball. So he's covered college basketball, high school sports. A semi-pro football, arena indoor football, even some, I believe Alex even covered some uh, high school girls soccer several months ago as well. So you can find Alex Nunnery's interviews and reports right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Alex is uh, one of our producers along with JC of the podcast. And we're going to now join Alex Nunnery, our BigJReport.com sports reporter, with some big-time reports on high school baseball, here now is the one and only Alex Nunnery. He's everywhere. Here's Alex with some high school baseball reports. We now join Alex Nunnery, our BigJReport.com sports reporter. Here's Alex. Alex? Ladies and gentlemen, good evening, and welcome to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, a part of a BigJReport.com Production. My name is Alex Nunnery. I am the sports reporter for BigJReport.com. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here for a terrific game here in the San Marco area of Jacksonville, Florida at Historic Huge. Donovan Field. Here at the Bowl School of Jacksonville, home of the eight-time state champion Bulls Bulldogs. As Lady Shillman tonight, it's a beautiful night of April the 4th of 2022. It's a beautiful night for Florida high school baseball. As we have a little Florida Georgia action. As tonight, ladies and gentlemen, the Bowl School Mighty Bulldogs will be taking on the visiting Parkview Panthers. The Panthers, they come into to, to tonight's game at 14 and 5. While the Bulldogs, they come into tonight's game at 6 and 6 and 4. The Panthers, their head coach, their legend, 18 years as a head coach, 500 wins. That's Chan Brown, the Bulldogs head coach, Mike Boswell, the Bulldogs head coach, and his 21st, make that 22nd season here at the Bowl School. That's a legend. The only coach in Florida high school history to win a state championship in a 
public school and a private school. Ladies and gentlemen, that's their very own Mike Boswell. Boswell coached the legend Brett Myers at Inglewood High School. Won a state championship there and coached some very good legends here at the Bowl School. And won a few state championships here as well. The Panthers. They are from the Lilburn, Georgia area. Many people know that area as Atlanta or Lithonia, Georgia. The Panthers, a nine-time state champ and three-time national champion in high school baseball in Georgia. The Panthers' most noble alumni. That's the great Jeff Rancourt and... The current first baseman for your Atlanta Braves, Matt Olson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the Bulls, Bulldogs, alumni, that's the great Atlanta Brave, Chipper Jones, Austin Slater, and Orioles right fielder, D.J. Stewart. Ladies and gentlemen, the noble players for the Bulls, Bulldogs, you have one of the best third basemen in the country. He's a big orange, a Tennessee volunteer commit, Tanner Zellum. You have George Washington commit, Matty Hogg. Sully Bracken, a College of Charleston commit. And ladies and gentlemen, you have one of the best running backs in the country. He plays baseball as well. That's the great Air Force commit, Cade Frew. For the Bulldogs baseball team. For the Panthers baseball team, you have George Tech commit, Thorpe, Lucy. You have Georgia commit, Ford Thompson. You have Mercer commit, Landon Stripling. North Georgia commit. Andrews Opata. Mercer commits, Porter Berryman. Florida Southwestern commits. Caden Gaskin. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the park for you, Mighty Panthers. Coach Chan Brown and his 18th season at Parkview High School up in Atlanta area. One of its assistants, Dustin Klein, from here in Jacksonville, ladies and gentlemen. A Stanton College of a Stanton College prep 
alum is Dustin Klein. Lay Schumann on the mound for the full school Mighty Bulldogs, the eight-time state champion. The 2016 and 2017 state champions. That's a, a right-handed pitcher, a George Washington Colonel commits. That's Max Hogg. On the mound tonight for the Parkview Panthers. That's Mercer Bear Jr. commit. Landon Stripling. It's two to nothing, Panthers. Now batting for the Panthers, the Mercer Bear commit. A junior, Landon Stripling. Landon will be the pitcher tonight for the Bears. The Parkview Panthers. They will be here in Jacksonville for three nights. They will play at Providence School Tuesday. And then we'll be at Bartram Trail on Wednesday. The probable will start it for the Panthers tomorrow. Ford Thompson. One of the best names in baseball. The Park View Mighty Panthers. From all the way in Atlanta, Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. Up 12 to 1 over the Bulls School Bulldogs. Colin Houck. One of the best quarterbacks in the country. Hit a home run for the Park for you, Panthers. Andrews. Obata. Hit a home run for the Park for you, Panthers. The Panthers. They will send forward Thompson to the mound tomorrow. And the Panthers will send Garrett Lamber to the mound on Wednesday at Bartram Trail. The Parkview Panthers won the game. They get a win here in Jacksonville, Florida. They will play. They will face the Providence Stallions tomorrow night. That first pitch will be at six o'clock, I believe, at Providence High School, home of the Stallions. The Parkview Panthers. They won the ball game 12 to 1. Landon Stripling gets the win. A complete game winner for the Mercer Bears commit. Landon Stripling. For Coach Chan Brown. He's one of the best coaches in the state of Georgia. We're here with the Mercer Bear Commit, the 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 Bulldog. Well, the the 
the star pitcher for the um, Parkview Panthers. How did you throw tonight here in beautiful Jacksonville? Uh, I threw pretty well. It's good to be back. It's like my first time pitching in around two weeks because of an injury, so it felt really good to be back. All right. What do y'all have to work on to, to do good all weekend here in Jacksonville? Uh, it's just a matter of staying consistent. We've, we've put in the hard work in the cages and on the field. We've done all the hard work, so we just got to bring it to the field and stay consistent. All right, thank you. All right. We're here with the skipper, the one of the best head coaches in the state of Georgia, Coach Chan Brown. How did you all play tonight, Coach? Uh, yeah, I was really happy how we got off the bus and you know jumped in the box. We had a lot of two-strike hits, uh, two-out hits tonight. And, uh, you know, the hitting part we've been – Really working hard on to get back to where we need to be, and so uh, and then obviously stripling, stripling, and you know when he's on, he's tough to hit, and uh, you know all around we played a good game on defensively hitting, pitching. That's all we asked for, and uh, you know get uh, get back to it tomorrow. Just try to get better every single day. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. And welcome to the Teal Shirt Report Podcast, a part of a BigJReport.com production. My name is Alex Nunnery. I am the sports reporter for BigJReport.com. Ladies and gentlemen, it's another beautiful night here in the Jacksonville area. We are here in San Marco area once again at the Bull School of Jacksonville. As ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the Bull School Bulldogs will be taking on the blessed Trinity Titans from Roswell, Georgia. Ladies and gentlemen, the blessed Trinity Titans coming to tonight's game following a 9-8 loss. 9-8 loss over Providence last night. The Titans, they hail from Roswell, Georgia, right outside of the Kennesaw area. If you are looking at the maps, you will see Roswell right near Kennesaw area. The Titans, their head coach in his first season, Jamie Wagner. While ladies and gentlemen, the Bowl School Bulldogs... They come into tonight's game at 6-5 and five following a 12-1 loss right here versus Parkview last night. The Bulldogs head coach in his 22nd season, the legend Mike Boswell. On Wagner's staff from Blessed Trinity. You have Brandon Harwell, Cornell Door, and Jamison Contrato. On Mike Boswell's staff, you have Palmer Knight and Doug Clark. Get Max Puckett. The Titans, they are led by Georgia commits, Jake Lanke and Cooper Milford, by Indiana commits, Evan O'Neill. And by Mercer commits, Max Puckett. The Titans, they're also led by one of the best right fielders in the country. He's only a junior running back. 
He plays running back for the Titans football team. That's four-star running back, Justice Haynes. His dad, Veron Haynes, a Super Bowl champ with the Pittsburgh Steelers and a UGA great. The Titans' most noble alumni is Tyler Flowers from your Atlanta Braves. While the Bulls school Bulldogs leave Shulman, they are led by Sully Bracken, a College of Charleston commit, Tanner Zellum, a Tennessee volunteer commit, Cade Farouk, a Air Force Academy football commit, Offset by Max Hogg, a George Washington Tunnel commit. The Bulldogs, they are also led by Patrick Mink, a UVA Cavalier commit. The Bulldogs. An eight-time state champion in baseball. Many of those state championships in Bulls history led by one of the greatest head coaches in the city of Jacksonville history, Don Siriano. The Bulldogs alumni. You have the great Chipper Jones. You also have D. Jay Stewart and Austin Slater. You also have one of the best pitchers in Bulls history, Jackson Bow. My another Bulls star is Jackson Baumeister, one of the best pitchers in Bulls history. The Bulldogs. Their star second baseman, Cade Frew, one of the best running backs in the city of Jacksonville history. Justice Haynes, 29 touchdowns, 2,475 yards, and 12 games, ladies and gentlemen. That's one of the best juniors in the country. A running back. A four-star running back for the blessed Trinity Titans. The Titans, a five-time, make that a three-time state champion in Georgia baseball. Ladies and gentlemen, both of these pitchers tonight will be going to play college baseball at the next level for the blessed Trinity Titans. That's right-handed pitcher, junior, a Georgia Southern commit, Porter Bursima, and four. The Bulls Bulldogs, that's a senior, number 15, a right-handed pitcher, Sully Bracken, a College of Charleston commit. Bursima, 
a Georgia Southern Eagle commit. Goodbye, baseball. That's a two-run home run for the best right fielder in the state of Georgia. Justice Haynes. His nickname, Bussy. His dad, Veron Haynes, a former running back for the U. G. A. And a former running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Was a member of that Pittsburgh Steelers team that defeated the Arizona Cardinals. Ladies and gentlemen, Perron Haynes was a member of that Arizona, was a member of that Pittsburgh Steelers team that beat the Arizona Cardinals. That was when San Antonio Holmes was playing for the Steelers. And the great Jerome Bettis and also Ben Roethlisberger. The Bulldogs, they have runners on first and third with one out. It's three to three. The Bulls Bulldogs hitting in the bottom of the second inning. Cade Frew, your hitter for the Bulldogs. He's in Air Force Academy. Falcon commit for football that is one of the best running backs in the state of Florida Luke Cashwell steals second base the Bulldogs have the runners on second and third with one out ladies and gentlemen Cade Frew with a 1-1 one, one count one out, 3-3. Three, three. Count that as a Bulldogs run. Key. Again. Stewart crosses home on the wild pitch. It's 4-3. Bulldogs. A deep sack fly to right field. 5-3. Bulldogs. Cade. Through delivers. Bulls up five to three, ladies and gentlemen, over one of the best teams in the state of Georgia. The Blessed Trinity Titans got out to a one to nothing lead, and then Bulls has fought back. Sully Bracken. Bracken with his second hit of the ball game. Actually, Bracken with his first hit of the ball game got hit by pitch. His first time up. We go to the top of the seventh inning. We got the Bowl School of Jacksonville. It's the Blessed Trinity Titans. Ten. And ladies and gentlemen, the Bulls. School Bulldogs, six. 
Now pitching for the Bulldogs, number 17, Thomas Gibbs. The pitcher of record for the Titans, number 11, Parker Spring. Grant Moore, a Villanova commit for the Bulldogs. Pitched really good tonight. The Titans, they scored one run in the seventh inning to lead the Bulldogs 11-6. One out in the bottom of the seventh inning. Parker Spring is still on the mound for the Blessed Trinity Titans. For the Titans, that's an 11-6 win over the Bull School of Jacksonville. Parker Spring is your winner. Seven Ks in four innings for the senior, the uncommitted senior. Ben Novak for the Titans with a home run. So is, so is Justice Haynes. Justice Haynes, one of the best running backs in the state of Georgia. We will interview a couple of the Blessed Trinity players and their head coach, Mr. Jamie Wagner, in his first season as the Blessed Trinity head coach, a longtime assistant coach before getting the job as the head coach at Blessed Trinity Catholic School in Roswell. Georgia, ladies and gentlemen. If you are in the Roswell area, please check us out at Big J Report. BigJReport.com or give me a or give me a follow on Twitter. Alex Nunnery94 or give Big J Report. Scott a follow on Twitter. That's Scott Mullis, our producer of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're here with one of the best running backs in the country and a damn good outfielder for the Blessed Trinity Titans and Justice Haynes. A home run tonight here in Jacksonville. How, how did you play tonight? Uh, I think I played well. Uh, we, we struggled last night. You know, we came out as a team. We had a good team meeting last night trying to focus up and just trying to get on the right uh, page. All right. What do y'all have to work on to beat a very good Bishop Kenny team on Thursday night? Uh, just be ourselves. Just play like how we play, and we'll be perfectly fine. Uh, we believe that we compete with the best in the country as long as we're together and we're a brotherhood and we're playing together. We believe that we can go and compete with anyone. All right. Thank you, man. We're, we're, we're here with, with, with the um, one of the best center fielders, a junior for – the Blessed Trinity Titan. He's a Georgia commit. A heck of a game. One for three tonight, I believe. And Cooper, how did you play tonight here in Jacksonville? Uh, I'm happy with my performance. I mean, can't complain about anything. Can always be better, but, I mean, can't be mad at anything. All right. How do you all have to compete against a very good, most likely Garrett Lorbet and Bishop Kenny this Thursday? Uh, we just got to keep the same approach, you know. Go up there, hunt fastballs, protect with two strikes, put the ball in play, make the defense make plays. You know, we just we just got to stick to what we know and what we do. All right, thank you. 
All right, we're 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 here with, with Big Men, Big Ben Novak from Blessed Trinity. A big home run tonight here in Jacksonville against a very good powerhouse in Bulls as well. How did you play tonight? Uh, I mean, I thought I did my job. But it was really a team effort, you know. Everybody swung the bat. Uh, Parker Spring came in when we needed him to and uh, helped us get a win. So yeah, I was just saying it's a team effort. But overall, I felt helped contribute to a team win. All right, what do y'all have to work on to hopefully do really good against a very good Bishop Kenny right, team? Hey, let's hit, let's go. Just, just do what we did today, just be consistent, you know, team effort. As long as pitch well, get timely hitting, play clean defense, we should be good. All right, thank you. We're, we're, we're here with, with, with the lefty, Parker Spring. Four innings, seven hits. No, seven strikeouts, two hits. How did you pitch tonight here in Jacksonville? Uh, I felt pretty good. I felt my stuff was pretty good and just going at them and uh, just being myself. So, yeah. All right. What 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 adjustments did you make to to stop a very good Bulls team tonight? Uh, I just felt that I needed to go at them and not, not let them take over and just dictate my own, uh, dictate myself. So show who I was. All right, thank you. You're welcome. We're here with Coach Wagner of Blessed Trinity. How did you all play against a very good Bulls team tonight? All right, so uh, we come down for spring break pretty much every four years to Jacksonville. This is one of the teams that we always come down because we know we're going to get like a championship type game. We want to be in that kind of situation. Um, they can hit. Um, their two arms that we faced were as good as we've seen all season and we play in a very good region in georgia um, we played parkview parkview was here last night um, i think they're right there with the, that kind of caliber um, i thought we hit the ball real well uh, pitching wise we kind of went with some other arms because we're resting our starters uh, it was good to see some of our bullpen guys especially parker spring come in and throw strikes and kind of do his thing he really kind of ate up some innings for us in a depleted bullpen so um, again i felt like we swung the bat that's real well. Um, it was going to come down to like if we could. Th hey, I want to tell you what some great interviews by Alex Nunry. I think we got most all of them in. Alex interviewing um, and doing some reports on high school baseball teams, um, you know, the bowl school uh, here in Jacksonville. A couple of schools up in Georgia came down. What was that? Parkview and Blessed Trinity. Great job on the interviews and the reports, Alex. Uh, right here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I did want to take this opportunity, since this is episode show number 17 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, I wanted to honor a number 17 who's actually, he's actually in the Hall of Fame now, Harold Carmichael. Lee Harold Carmichael was born back in September 22nd, 1949 is an American former professional football player who played wide receiver in the National Football League for 13 seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles from 1971 to 1983. I saw him play a lot of football when I was a child. The guy was six foot seven, six foot eight. I believe he's listed as six foot eight, um, about 225 pounds, probably one of the tallest receivers ever to play in the National Football League. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles from 71 uh, to 83 and also played one season for the Dallas Cowboys in 1984. 
Carmichael was the director of player development and alumni for the Philadelphia Eagles from 1998 to 2014. I know that kept him busy. And a uh, fan engagement liaison from uh, 2014 to 2015 before retiring again in uh, 2015. Harold Carmichael. I mean, I tell you what, man. Harold Carmichael, a great football player, played at, uh, you know, Reigns High School here in Jacksonville. Carmichael attended William M. Reigns High School in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, where he played, how about this? He played the trombone also in the school's band before he began playing quarterback on the football team. He also walked on at Southern University. This is an incredible story. And he became a tri-sport athlete. He used his six-foot-eight height to play on the basketball team, obviously, as a center. And he uh, threw the javelin and discus for the track and field team. And in football, he shifted to playing wide receiver where he was a four-year starter and had a long NFL career at wide receiver. Although he never led the team in receptions, uh, he received all-conference honors as a senior. He was a teammate of Mel Blunt who went on to win Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So amazing. Um, in 1989, Harold Carmichael from Jacksonville was inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame for his, his college days um, at Southern University. In 2004, he was inducted into the Florida Sports Hall of Fame. In 2012, he was inducted into the Southwestern Athletic Conference Hall of Fame. In 2018, he was inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And in January of 2020, he was elected as one of 10 seniors to the Centennial uh, uh, Slate for the Class of 2020 of the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm proud to say Harold Carmichael. Man, I remember him when I was a kid when he played wide receiver, the tall six-foot-eight. The tall six foot eight, um, 225 pound wide receiver. Tall guy played wide receiver for Philadelphia. I think he's the tallest wide receiver I ever remember playing in the NFL. Carmichael was originally selected by the Philadelphia Eagles in the seventh round, the 161st overall pick in the 1971 NFL draft. How about getting mileage out of a seventh round pick, right? You know, you're talking about Tom Brady still playing. Well, Harold Carmichael from Jacksonville, Florida, played a long time in the NFL. Great, great wide receiver. Great, I should say, great wide receiver. Harold Carmichael wore the number 17 proudly here in our episode show number 17 of season number three of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Also, as we we often do, maybe not on every episode, but most episodes, you know, we we do hit the shout-out list. Uh, on our shout-out list, Larry Cole from Apopka, Florida, the governor, as we, as we call him affectionately, the governor of Apopka, Florida. He's also the... Uh, He's also what I consider the Jimmy Buffett, the Jimmy Buffett of Facebook. Larry Cole, hello to you. I want to say hello to my uncle Buddy, uh, originally from uh, Jacksonville, but lives uh, up in Gadsden, Alabama. Also, Ray Jenny, uh, thank you for listening to us. And Ray, thank you for being a part of the BigJReport.com Facebook group. 
um, on our Facebook page. We have a website to it, bigjreport.com. Check us out. Uh, Tony Lee. Tony Lee in our Facebook group. Tony, special hello to you. He's got one of the coolest teal and black masks I've ever seen. He went to the Colts game where the Jaguars beat up the Colts 26 to 11 last January of uh, uh, several, you know, several weeks ago when the season ended, the Jaguars in the last game defeated the Colts 26 to 11. Trevor Lawrence completed his first eight passes in that game. And, and uh, Mr. Tony Lee was wearing a teal and black mask. Also want to say hello to our good friend, CJ Foreman, big part of our big Facebook group. I want to say hello to David Martin, who provides us with a lot of the APDFL semi-pro football scores. David Martin, a longtime player in the APDFL himself, as he played for many years with the Panhandle Crusaders. He may come back and play some more semi-pro football next year, I understand. Robert Mills, I told you I was going to put you on the shout-out list, didn't I? Robert Mills, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our BigJReport.com Facebook group. Enrique. Uh, Crumbs, who's played a lot of semi-pro football, a lot of indoor football. Uh, he's presently playing for a team, I believe they're called the Magnolia State Spartans. They're playing in the AFA. I remember the AFA back in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. Don Gaffney from Jacksonville played for the Jacksonville Firebirds. And they actually won a championship, and I believe it was either 80 or 81. We'll have to look up the info on that. But uh, early 80s, the Jacksonville Firebirds, then known as the Jacksonville Firebirds, I was out there. Um, that's when I was working for uh, uh, Jay Solomon. He was doing the play-by-play for the Jacksonville Firebird games, and I actually did some spotting in the press box. I used to do you know, reports, radio reports. That's kind of where the radio career started about, you know, about uh, 1979, 1980 in that area when I was still going to school at that time. Um, so Enrique Crumbs uh, playing in this this new AFA league. There used to be an AFA league way back in the late 70s and early 80s, and that was actually before – it was after the World Football League, but it was before the USFL started. There was an AFA Outdoor Pro Football League, which was a pretty good league, I might add. But this is an AFA, I believe, Indoor Football League. Enrique Crumbs is playing for, I believe, the Magnolia State team. They're called Magnolia State. And, um, and, and they're supposed to be starting to play games, I believe, this weekend. We'll get some updates from Enrique uh, uh, Crumbs on the team he's playing for in our next podcast as well. Big George Bowen playing with the Dunedin Pirates in semi-pro outdoor football. And I understand uh, Big George Bowen, the defensive lineman, big uh, defensive guy that probably is going to be in the record books for the most safeties in the history of any league in semi-pro football, indoor football. He's got like 18 safeties as, as a defensive lineman. That's 36 points, right? Last time I heard it was 18 safeties. I got to get the update uh, from, from big George Bowen. John Naylor, we appreciate everything from you, keeping us up to date with a lot of things going on in the BigJReport.com uh, Facebook group. John Naylor, great guy uh, in our Facebook group. Uh, Bob Martin, who um, I, 
you know, Bob and I worked together at a couple of radio stops I was at. Bob did a great late night show several years ago on the radio. He's in our Facebook group as well. Uh, Bob Martin, hello to you. Bobby Eyed, one of our listeners. She's also uh, in our Facebook group. Uh, hello to Bobby Eyed. I want to say hello to comedian Miller Mark up in New York who listens in. Uh, JC, our freelance writer, our freelance, uh, our, our freelance uh, uh, sports reporter, our freelance uh, writer in BigJReport.com. He's also one of our Teal Shirt Report podcast producers, along with Alex Nunry, who's also a Teal Shirt Report podcast producer and our BigJReport.com sports reporter. Also, again, we'll say hello to Miller Mark, comedian up in New York, who listens in. Great guy. Very funny. And he listens to our podcast. He does a podcast, too. Why am I a New York Knicks fan? I listen to his podcast sometimes, too, but he, he does listen to ours as well. Mary Lou Halub, thank you uh, for listening into us. Mad Max, our Georgia Bulldog football insider, and he's the host of the Mad Max Mix as well. want to say hello to classmate Rusty Kane. Our sponsor, Larry Saucer, with Saucer uh, Realty and Capital. Larry Saucer, thank you for being there for us on BigJReport.com and, of course, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Big George Bowen, again, a special hello to you with the Dunedin Pirates, the outdoor semi-pro football team, the Dunedin Pirates. Big George Bowen is going to be, in just a few days, playing with the Southern Steam. They're going to be home-based in Macon, Georgia, in 2022. Also want to say hello to Mike Pate, one of our classmates, Randall Pogue. Boy, Randall Pogue, real good guy in our Facebook group. I believe he lives in the Gulf part of Texas. Keeps us up to date when we, you know, we do some of our weather posts. Lets us know what uh, the temperature is in his area. Randall Pogue is uh, in, I believe, the Gulf part of Texas, but he does do some traveling uh, with his work, I believe, as well. So he may be in some other areas from time to time. Jack Sharkman, uh, Big Sharks fan. Hello to Jack Sharkman. I want to say hello to Larry uh, Masternakis. I think he was Alex Nunnery's pediatrician years and years ago when Alex was a kid. Uh, My Uncle Buddy, special hello to you. Robert Mills again. We got you on the shout-out list now, Robert. Can't get away from us. Robert Mills. (laughs) Robert Mills is in our Facebook group, and he's also on our shout-out list now. Raymond Bureau. Raymond Bureau does uh, Trinity Christian High School football and also Trinity Baptist College basketball and does some baseball as well. He's done some UNF games, as I understand. Raymond Bureau, the Paul Bunyan of high school sports broadcasting. Raymond Bureau, thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of our our Facebook group. And uh, we've always enjoyed talking to Raymond. Raymond has done some... Some he did some Southern Steam games, some play-by-play games for us uh, last year at uh, BigJReport.com as well. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. If I missed anybody, I apologize. If you're not on the shout-out list, let me know. Gerald Rogers, Gerald, I got you kind of written down on the side here. So Gerald Rogers, yes sir, I've got you, I've got you on the shout-out list, Mister uh, Gerald Rogers. Mad Max, special hello to you again. JC, everybody in the Yafala Coffee Corner, drinking that coffee and listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening. This has been episode show number 17. We honored Harold Carmichael, the tall wide receiver, number 17, all everything. Played at Reigns High School here in Jacksonville. 
played for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was most famous for playing for the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL. Harold Carmichael, we, we honor you. And by the way, if I didn't mention this earlier, you know, Harold, thank goodness, uh, thank, thank the Lord he's still with us. Um, Harold Carmichael was born back in September 22nd, 1949. He is 72 years young at this time. And I remember him like it was yesterday. Man, he was lining up as that big, tall, wide receiver, number 17 for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to do it for our podcast. The Teal Shirt Report podcast comes your way and brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Sauce Realty for your real estate needs, whether it's home, residential, commercial, or business real estate. Go to our website, our homepage. Scroll down to the 24-7 North Florida weather and you'll find the link for Saucer Realty for your uh, real estate needs in North Florida and even surrounding areas, even a little further to the south in Florida as well. Here in the Sunshine State, as I look out the window, we got sunshine today, a little bit breezy. Um, I think the winds today are going to be like out of the west at about 8 to as much as 24 miles per hour on this Saturday, April the 9th. So we do have a bit of a wind advisory, but at least no rain today. And a lot of sunshine. Something interesting, though, this is April the 9th, and, and it got down into the like lower 50s last night. Tonight, it looks like we're going to drop into the lower to mid-40s, maybe around as low as 43 tonight on this, uh, on this Saturday, on this Saturday night, uh, April the 9th. Late tonight, looks like low temperatures down to around 43. So this is probably our last very cool or cold snap of the season. We appreciate you tuning in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Again, brought to you by Anchor.fm, simplest and easiest way to make a podcast. Saucer Realty and Capital for your real estate needs here in North Florida. Uh, com, great internet radio. Hey, where it's all good. Great internet radio at LakeUfallahits.com, Rock Saturdays. Uh, they also have hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights, deep tracks, uh, deep cuts, unique songs late at night, too, with LakeUfallahits.com. LakeUfallahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. Don't forget to tune in for the Mad Max Mix, uh, Wednesday night music request show on internet radio. You can find the links at BigJReport.com in the Neighbors 2 section or even in the outside the box section, that's madmaxmix.weebly.com. Great internet radio show, great request show, a lot of classic rock and pop songs from from the last several years, and Max also kind of provides a, a story. He mentions, he mentions kind of tells a story about, you know, or something about the artist that's, uh, that he's playing during the Mad Max mix.weebly.com. So, and I enjoy the show on Wednesday night. Sometimes Max will ask me to do an interview with him uh, during his show, and that's always a lot of fun. Wednesday nights, the Mad Max Mix. Thank you for listening in. I want to thank our producers of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. A special thank you to Alex Nunnery. He's also so uh, very helpful with Everything we're doing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, covering arena indoor football, something to do with the Jaguars, basketball, baseball, football, hockey. Hey, we covered for you on the Till Shirt Report podcast, primarily the Jacksonville Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and a lot of other area sports, too, in North Florida 
and surrounding areas. I want to thank all of you for listening. I mean, we're listened to in as many as 36 states in the United States. We've got a big international and worldwide uh, following as well. Uh, we've got a lot of listeners in Northern Ireland, Canada, France, Puerto Rico, uh, the UK, Andy Powers. We got to keep you. We got to keep Andy Powers on the shout out list because I don't think I mentioned Andy's name. He's one of my good friends out of the UK. He's from um, uh, that Newport, what is it, Newport, Wales area of the UK. Andy Powers, special hello to you. Hey, we got you back on the shout-out list. Sometimes I I either omit some names or we're updating it. And if I forgot you, hey, let me know you're out there listening. Scott at BigJReport.com is our email address. Scott, S-C-O-T-T. Scott at BigJReport.com is a simple email address to write to me and our staff with the Teal Shirt Report podcast. That's Scott at BigJReport.com. That is our email address. Again, a special thank you to our sponsors, Anchor.fm, LakeUfallahits.com, The Mad Max Mix, and Saucer Realty and Capital uh, for your real estate needs in North Florida and surrounding areas. Special thank you to all of our sponsors and our producers that that helped me so much, like Alex Nunry. Thank you, Alex. Alex is one of our producers. Alex Nunry is one of our producers of the Tillshirt Report podcast. And also my good friend, JC, another one of our producers of the Tillshirt Report podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode show number 17 of series number three. Or what did I say? Season number three. Let me get that straight. This is episode show number 17 of season. I might have said series. Season number three, right? Episode show number 17 of season number three. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again with another episode and show within a few minutes or a few hours, whenever you tune back into the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. Hey, until next time. You have a great day. I'm your host, Scott, and for now, I'm out. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening.